The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Uh, we are at the All-Star break. Almost. Surprise. <laughs> we made it. Okay. Uh, winter is definitely still in full effect here. Um Brad Marchand is playing really good hockey, and we're going to ask the question, how good? Well, um, he's not going to the All-Star game, so how good? He's not going to the All-Star game. I suspect he might have declined to go anyways, but that's another question. Okay. Um, 70 goals for Austin Matthews. People are asking if it's realistic. I decided to go do what nerds do, and that's look at look at the history, look at the numbers. Um, we're talking. We're going to talk about Brendan Gallagher's uh, attempt to decapitate someone this week. Uh, we've got. Uh, we're going to talk about surprises in the first half and a whole bunch more. Where do we want to start? Oh, yeah. Let's actually. We probably should start there. The assault, as you have it listed on the board here, just because it's egregious. I've seen, I've seen things before, and I've seen some wicked hits before. And you know, guys like Savard have taken serious hits. Um, Matt, is, whatever his name is, no, I was just gonna say Matt, whatever his name, Matt, whatever. I don't even remember his last. He's, it, it's not important. Um, that was ugly. This hit, it, and at first, I didn't think, my, when I first saw it, and, and I know that I just watched it a, a little bit ago, and, and but when Taylor Hall, was it last year, hit Nathan McKinnon, and everybody was all up in arms, and it was similar to this. He kind of went across and in front of Nathan McKinnon, but the difference is he didn't extend his arm. He didn't stick his elbow out. He didn't do anything that in any way made it look like an honest-to-God attempt to yeah. be malicious. This one, and we talk about Brendan Gallagher all the time. This one, for whatever reason, I don't know if Brendan was having a bad day. I don't know if Pelek said something about his mom. But. He came across in front of Adam Pellack. He put the elbow up. He put the arm up, elbow out. And as he went across, extended the elbow. Point of contact was clearly the head. It was ugly. And you watch it the way Adam goes down. certainly the dirtiest hit in the NHL in terms of clear, indisputable, uh, like unjustifiable head targeting. Suddenly lowers himself or those boardings that happen because someone is dumb and turns to face the boards, you boarding. know, half a second before impact. Boarding ones this can is, be tough. Yeah. Though, like a lot of those, uh, I've said it, I've said it for the past 15 plus years. Mm-hmm. Certainly for as long as I've been covering hockey, whether it was 
writing or doing a podcast, players need to protect themselves at all times. There are a bunch of other skaters, four officials, occasional debris from the stands, ruts in the ice, protect yourself at all times. Um, but this is one of the dirtiest hits I've seen in a very, very long time. I, the two of us have talked about Brendan Gallagher and the love we have for his willingness to play with everything he has. He was playing with most of what he has, but clearly not the stuff between his ears. Because this is dumb. Yes. I he, he fills the role of past just like Brad did and still does to an and he, I think Brad, over the course of even in the last few years, he's mellowed a bit. I know that he still has a reputation and they love to give him every chance they can. He'll get a three gamer if somebody else would only get one. Uh, if Brad Marchand had made this hit, it would not have been less than 20 games. It wouldn't have been. It just I was like, thinking 10, but OK, still the point being. The fact that Brendan Gallagher has no history, and we just talked about this, the fact that he has no history is what kept this at a five-game cap. He has never been suspended in this 12-game career. I'm still not sure I excuse that because Brendan Gallagher came into the league well after they started cracking down on this sort of hit. It's been his whole career, his whole professional career that this sort of hit was not allowable. Hey. But I, and I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look it up. And I, ha- I didn't have time before last year or the year before during the playoffs when Shifley took out Jake Evans of the Canadians. Was that the pause, or was that the year after the pause? Montreal that was, was that was the bubble year, I believe. Was that the because that was the year they went to the final? Yeah. And Shifley only got like a one game suspension or something, if I remember correctly. He he didn't get a long suspension, and that was an ugly hit. Well, the the hit on Jake Evans, the biggest problem with that hit wasn't the body contact. It was the fact that he came from literally half the ice, half the length of the ice away to blow up Jake Evans. And yet still didn't get the the length. I mean, to me, he should have been done at least for that series. I don't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what he got. I, I, I thought it was too short. If memory serves, I thought it was too short. But I rarely think suspensions are too short. Um, I will say that I, if so, if they had handed him seven or eight for this, for Brendan to Brendan Gallagher, uh, I would not, I would not have blinked. Okay, he got four games. My apologies. I thought it was – it still seemed a bit short, if I remember. But then well, again, that – Those would have been four playoff games. 
Yes, that was probably the remainder of the series with and so he might he might have been done for the series. I don't and, and again, haven't read I just went and looked up a headline and found it. So but he did get four games. That was an that was the last one I remember that was truly ugly. I mean, we've seen some hits that he goes, ooh, you know, it, but that's the last one that I remember that was truly ugly until I saw Jay, until I saw Brendan Gallagher's. And I'm just thinking, Brendan Gallagher's a smart guy. He knows the difference between what's going to get him tossed and what's kind of on that fine line. And extending, yeah. extending that arm, extending the elbow, making contact with the head is going to get you noticed. And he, it's it's wide open ice. There's no chance of another player obscuring it, and making it look like, you know, he had it like you accidentally steered into each other. No, there, this is this is as blatant as you're ever going to see a hit. Um, it's inexcusable. I hope uh, Pellick is going to recover. He's been listed as day to day since the hit. Um, speedy and full recovery to him. Uh, one question that I do have, um, <clears throat> since we're in agreement on the hit. Yes. Particularly since, well, the Habs are going nowhere. <laughs> They're just not. It, it, it's fact. Do the stand thinking. wait wait do the standings bear that out? No. <laughs> do they have like a point three percent chance? <laughs> oh wait, that um, translates to to not a, not much at all. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, given the number of young players on the roster and some not so young players on the roster who they do who they're going to want to hold on to in the next two or three years. Uh huh. They buy out Brendan Gallagher this summer. He's got six and a half million for three more seasons on the books. Okay. His production has continued to fall. Um, I, I'm willing to justify a lot of salary with, um, with the intangibles, the leadership stuff like that. The thing is, at his age, last he's not even that old. That's 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 what I was about to say. He's only thirty-one. At his age, he should still have. Last season, thirty-seven games, fourteen points. Season before, fifty-six games, twenty-four points. Season before that, thirty-five games, and admittedly, that was the that was the uh, pause. Um, Thirty-five games, twenty-three points. He hasn't played an 82 game season since the 17 uh, since the 18-19 season. If His straight can... value at this point is minimal, and you're going to end up eating half the salary. You're going to have to retain 50 percent of the salary to trade him almost anywhere. Not just because everyone is tight against the cap, but because he's he's not producing. What what do you think um, in their in 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 their favor is the fact that yes they don't have currently Montreal has no players that they are shelling out money for retained salary 
Oh, wait, I apologize. I just found it. They are paying for two, which makes trading him that much tougher because they only have one slot left for retaining salary. The teams are only allowed three. Okay, so uh, so it, trading him just became even tougher, especially since oh wait, he has <clears throat> modified no trade and no movement. He can submit a six team no trade list, which is a little small, but those six teams are probably teams that can afford to give the ex- extended yeah. the the. the the expanded prices that are charged at a trade deadline, most likely you'd be trading him at the draft, which isn't going to get you much, uh, probably like fourth rounder or something or fifth rounder or whatever. Unfortunately, I think if they can swing it, yeah, I think a buyout is to be expected. So I, here's I, what the buyout would look at look like, according to our good friends at Cap Friendly. I like yes. Cap Friendly. He has three years left on his contract. Initial base salary for next season is nine, and then it's six and a half and four uh, for the two remaining years. So six and a half million cap hit uh, on average over the next three years. If in terms of savings, um, they would save six over six point eight million and change on the cap next season. Um, okay. Would actually be a negative cap hit of thirty-three, three hundred thirty-three thousand uh, for next season. It would be two point one six and change for four of the next five seasons, starting with the second season after the buyout, twenty-five, twenty-six. But in the twenty-six, twenty-seven, which would have been the uh, expiration year of his contract. It would be a 4.66 and change um, cap hit. If the cap goes up the $4 million that people are speculating, um, it combined with getting him off the cap, mm-hmm. uh, that's a whole lot of wiggle room for, for uh, the general manager to bring in the players they quite frankly haven't been able to draft or trade for in the last couple of years. Well, here's what I'm looking at. Brendan Gallagher and. Oh, my apologies. There are two. I was about to say one other player, but there are two other players because technically Joel Armia is 30. And the other one is Tanner Pearson, who is 31. Sean Monahan's 29. Wow, he's only 29. Josh Anderson, 29. They're they're not old by any stretch at forward. They have a 33-year-old on defense and David Savard, but the rest are all still in their 20s. Michael Matheson, who wears an A, is 29. Uh, And Jake Allen is 33. And they've already talked about Jake Allen. He was on the, the... trade block 3.0 that we talked about last week uh, from The Athletic. If they're looking to get younger, I mean, Kent Hughes would have a, Kent Hughes would have a sales job on his hands to try and explain to the fan base why you're trading away everybody over 30 or getting rid of them. But then again, it's not like they have, it's not like they're in contention for anything. And 
they're deciding to be sellers anyway. They are certainly toward the bottom of the East and moves need to be made. And if you can free up money, get draft picks and looking at their, I mean, looking at their draft situation, they've got, and they've got some picks. They got their own first rounder this year. Um, they've got Colorado's pick in the second round, two in the third year after that. They've got two in the first, two in the second, two in the third, two in the fourth. It, it wouldn't be bad to have some prospects and or draft picks, you know, ca- draft capital to put a better product on the ice and, and try to get back to a playoff spot. I'm not talking about getting back to, oh, my God, they're going to go from non-existent to Stanley Cup final, but – this is a team that has a proud history. They need to be playing in the playoffs. It's like every year the Bruins are expected to be in the playoffs. You can't have a year off. You can't have two years off. The fan base normally won't put up with it because you're expected to be annual contenders in the playoffs. Montreal, outside of their bubble experience, hasn't been there and i can imagine that the fact that they made it even the bubble year to the stanley cup finals is beyond ridiculous well that 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 was jim carrey reliving that was jim carrey uh jim carrey yeah carrey price jim carrey wow where did that come from uh he was a goaltender by the way um Carey Price, that was Carey Price reliving his glory years. He that was like his one last hurrah because he his numbers weren't stellar, but at times so the teams they were playing were awful. Yes, but there were times where he stood on his head too. I mean, he was. I mean, not, yeah, Carey Price deserved success. Maybe not to the degree of making it to the Stanley Cup final. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do believe that Brendan Gallagher in some way is not going to be a member of the Montreal Canadiens next season. If they can find a way to swing it, yeah. I think that he's somebody they got to consider. He's not making huge amounts of money, but still, considering what they could do with it, uh, they've got... Uh, they've got openings and and then you just it it gives you the opportunity to bring up somebody from uh, Laval I believe is their minor league affiliate Yep. and see what you've got you got a lot of youngsters down there you got Owen Beck, he's 19 got a bunch of 20 year olds Philip Massard, Joshua Roy. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that yeah, I do believe that he will be gone. Um, one of the mo- more interesting questions that, that that's been asked is about another uh, star up in Canada who is reasonably well known and sometimes for not doing stupid things in parking lots. Um, Austin Matthews. Uh, yeah. Uh, the question has been asked, 
is 70 goals reasonable for Austin Matthews? Um, well, as the second best player on that team, possibly third, depending on how you want to look at it. If they really do get rid of the best player on that team, I think it hurts his chances. Not that not that Mitch Marner is going anywhere this year. I think 70 is is I think 70 is possible. The 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 way he's scoring right now, I think it's possible. Is it probable? I think no. I think saying it's probable is is just a hard no. I mean, um, look at okay, for example, last season here in Boston, everybody was pasta pasta could get 60. Pasta could get 60. How long did it take him to get number 50? Yeah. Because he was squeezing the stick a little tighter. He was skating with a little bit more of uh, an edge, uh, so to speak. And, and and I'm not talking about a, a physical edge. He assuming it at some point. It's a head game. It, it, you, have to, you have to believe every day that you're going to score whatever that number is and not let it change your approach to the game over uh, even for a medium length stretch of four or five games and, and, and when it when you get in your own head you're 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 done do i think that 70 goals is possible yes it, it is very technically possible in the nhl um but looking at the history and the stats and the the number of players who have actually done it and when they did it, I would say no. I, I don't think he's going – I don't think we're going to see it. Like I said, the, the last one I remember getting there was Taylor Solani as a rookie. He got 76 goals. I believe it was Taylor Solani. Yeah, it was Solani and McGill. 76 goals. In the, in the uh, 92-93 season. That was, was Alexander McGillney. Mogilny, yes, I forgot about Mogilny. That was the 92-93 season, and let's, uh, I mean, looking at things, looking at the numbers, the vast majority of the league was not yet born. Like, the vast majority of guys playing in the NHL today were not alive. <laughs> There's about 17, 15, 17 percent of the NHL's 800 and some of the 800 plus guys who have played uh, this year um, who have who were alive, mm-hmm. but none of them like this was 1993. I think the oldest skaters in the league at the moment were born like in the very late 80s. So most of them were not allowed to cross the street by themselves. Um, <laughs> OK, fair enough. Um, but I'm- yeah. So I'm just think okay no I'm just thinking in terms of they asked they asked David Postenock about that 50 to 60 thing and he said that getting to he said getting from 50 to 60 seemed to happen in the blink of an eye he said but it took so long and it seemed so hard to get to 50 so, Yeah it's it's a mental game. It's not just it's not just physically going out there scoring goals. Da, da, because at some point, and I think Obi, to an extent, suffers from it as well. I mean, granted, he's having a way off year. There's there's a lot 
going on there. And I wish I were closer to the team to see how much of it is him, how much of it is everything else. But um, in terms of in terms of hit, actually hitting for uh, seventy plus goals in a, yeah. in a single NHL season. In the 100 and change years of history, with now 32 teams and 30 teams for, you know, there were, what, 30 teams for a good 25 years, 20 years? It's been since the 70s that they were, when they started expanding again, that there were 12, then then in a mid-20s number of teams. All of those cumulative seasons by all of those players. Yeah. 14 times in NHL history have 70 or more goals been scored by a single player in a season. 14. Wow. That's 14. not a lot. Um, and when you look at how many players have actually done it, like individual players, yeah. it's an even shorter list. Um, because McGilney, Solani, Curry, and Esposito all did it once each. Okay. Super Mario did it twice. Brett Hull did it three times. Brett Hull. And some guy named Gretzky, who I'm sure most of our listeners have never heard of, did it four times. That's okay. it. Seven guys account for every occasion in which 70 goals have ever been scored. But even allowing and okay, let's put it this way. I firmly believe having seen every single player on that list of guys to score 70 goals in a single season, Mm -hmm. that the greatest goal scorer ever to score a goal in the NHL, Alex Ovechkin, is not on that list should tell you something. Uh, It's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. Although some would say, well, well. Gretzky did it four times, so it must be a little bit easy to do. Uh, different time, different era. And the big difference, aside from, well, the big difference aside from things like home ice advantage being a real thing at that point because of uh, differences in the way the boards were shade, shaped um, and the boards in some cases were tuned, um, goaltending. Not as good back then. Nowhere near as good. We're going to look at, I'm going to read you the names of the top 15 goal scorers by save percentage who played more than 22 games in that 93 season, um, which is the last time anyone scored. um, Well, two guys scored 70 plus goals the last time. Glenn Healy. New York Islanders. <laughs> yeah. 889. 889. 889. Tim Shovel Day. Detroit Red Wings. Detroit Red Wings. 889. Mm hmm. Kay Whitmore. Oh, Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver Canucks, yeah. 890. Tommy Soderstrom, Philadelphia, 892. Okay. John Blue, Boston, 893. John Blue, Boston Bruins. That's right. I knew I knew that name. You asked me before the show. I knew it sounded familiar. 
and here's a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, um, but not necessarily for his play. Okay. Uh, Bob Asenza. Ah. Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Original franchise. 893. Grant Fuhr in the year he was traded. Edmonton. Oh. Toronto and Buffalo. 893. Okay. Number eight, Montreal. 894. Patrick Roy. Dominic Hasek, Buffalo, Buffalo. 896. Darren Pupa, Buffalo and Toronto, Buffalo. 898. John Van Beesbrook, New York Rangers, New York Rangers, yep. Before he went to Florida. Tom Barrasso, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. 901. Ed Belfour, Chicago, Chicago Blackhawks, yeah. Felix Potvin. Toronto? Washington? So the Cats himself, 9-10. And Cujo, St. Louis, Louis Blues, 9-11. The last time they had a good goaltender. And that's that's one of the points. By the way, Cujo isn't in the Hall of Fame either. I don't well, believe. Let's talk about a lot of these players are considered the best goaltender that their team's ever had. Dominic Hasek, Buffalo, not a question. Um, Patrick Roy, Montreal, if he's not the best, he's certainly one of the two best. Cujo, Potvin, Barrasso, Belfour. (laughs) Belfour is best Chicago goaltender. Well, yeah, unless they go back to, like, unless they go back to, oh, You'd have to go back to when they were an original six team to find. I mean, they have Sawchuck and. But yeah, Eddie Belfort would probably be at the top of their charts. Yeah, they, they are. Those are those are those goaltenders. Grant Fuhr, not so much in Toronto or Buffalo, but in Edmonton, he would be in the upper echelon. I mean, they had guys like Billy Ranford and whatnot, but but Grant Fuhr certainly for Edmonton would be in the upper echelon. But their save percentages are ridiculous back then. You look at save percentages now. Last year, Bullmark, 938. Tim Thomas had, what, 934 or something like that? I mean. <laughs> okay, let's put it this way. Last year's Vesna winner. Yes. This year is skating with a 913 and having a bad year, according to certain people. A bad year. If you would put him in. If you suddenly dropped him into the 1992-93 season, this, he's still, with, with the stats this year, he's still the best goaltender in the league. <laughs> he's he's the best goaltender in the league, and because of his size, and most of these guys are much smaller than most of the bigger goaltenders in the league today. That's true. Um, his numbers are probably even better. Like, he probably actually has a 920 save percentage, just creeping up a little bit. Yeah. And he not only wins the Vezina, he probably wins MVP. He gets the heart. There you go. Like, it's – and I think the goaltending part of the equation is more important than people want to think about when it comes to goal-scoring records and goal-scoring <laughs> – it absolutely plays into it. 
there were five guys in five guys with who played twenty games or more the last time uh, anyone scored seventy or more goals who had a nine ten save percentage. A 900 save percentage. Five guys. Five guys. Who kind of like my favorite birdie. More than nine out of ten pucks. Like. Five. <laughs> now you can barely stay in the league if you're not a 905 or better. Well, how, th- th- think about what think about when we talk about on the show and we talk about Edmonton's goaltending and how they don't have a goaltender. Oh, well, yeah, the, the Stuart Skinner, not 90%. I mean, you, you look at Georgiev, and Colorado is going to be a force in the playoffs. They usually are. But Georgiev doesn't have a 90%, doesn't have a 90 save percentage. I mean, <laughs> how are these guys, you, you talk Vesna, if you're not in the nine, if you're not in the mid 920s, are you even in the conversation at this point in time? No, you're not. Uh, I mean, looking at the looking at today's stats heading into the All Star break, I chose 19 games played um, as the cutoff point. Yeah. You have to go down to Scott Wedgwood, Arizona, uh, Dallas. Oh, okay. Back the backup. Okay. Eighth. Twenty. Eighth best save percentage among goaltenders um, among goaltenders with 19 games played to get to someone with under a 900 save percentage. Like we saw Sam Montembeau get shelled by Boston a couple of days ago. Absolutely shelled. He's got a 905. Yep. Uka Buffalo, I don't know what happened to them this year. Um, if they're just regressing to the mean, 908 save percentage. Um, Cam Talbot, who is having a bad year for him, 911. Same with Jacob Markstrom. He's 10th in the league right now in save percentage and is having an off year with a 912. Like, his career number – well, actually, his career number is a 910. Last year really sucked that number down. Mm-hmm. Um, but his previous season, 63 games in the 21-22 season, was a 922. Linus Olmark has a 915 save percentage. You look at last year, he had a 938 for the season. Yeah. Yeah. And he's down I mean, to a 915, and suddenly – Outside of Boston, they don't they don't talk about him. I mean, At the, the guys top on of the league right now, you have three guys with a nine twenty four save percentage who have played nineteen or more games. And one of Alex Lyon in Detroit, Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg, and Jeremy Swayman here in Boston. Nine twenty four save percentage. Yeah, there's one guy on this show that used to talk, that talked about Alex Lyon, so let's remember that. <laughs> and poor Thatcher Demko is essentially forgotten with he's a nine twenty save with a nine twenty save percentage. He's up there in the northwest. They don't think about Vancouver. I mean, how many people are actually talking about Vancouver even though they're they're lighting it up? Do you hear any talk nationally about Vancouver? Come on now. It's we talked about them last week. We do. Yes. Okay, wait. We do. 
But no, people are not talking about the teams. Like right. going like right now today, um, Vancouver and Boston are tied for um, points and points percentage. They both played 49 games. They both have 71 points and a 724 save percentage. Um, Vancouver, if the playoffs started today, would have the edge um, because they have more regulation and regular or regulation or overtime wins. Um, they also have a completely redonkulous plus 59 in their 49 games for goal differential. Yes, these 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 save percentages, if you put them back in the time when Gretzky scored 70 goals four times, does Gretzky score 70 goals four times? Look, I've said before that Gretzky's numbers, if you drop him into the league in the year 2000 versus when he entered the league in the year, what was it, 1977, 80, somewhere around there, he they take a 20% drop not because he's a less good player, but because goaltending is that much better Mm -hmm. because defense is just more systematic, not taking anything away from 99, but those are facts. It would happen to Mario. It would happen to, it would happen to Bobby Orr. it would happen to, it would happen to Ray Borg. It's just the way the league has changed. And, I mean, going the other way, though, if you take Mitch Marner and drop him into 1980, is he scoring as many points? Uh, No. I think – I don't believe so because I think with him and his skill set – I mean, he is a very skilled player. I mean, like I said, I think he's the best player on 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 Toronto, not Austin Matthews. And I'm sure I get a lot of pushback on that, but I don't care. If you drop him in the time where clutching and grabbing was not only acceptable but expected, Standard yeah, uh, it 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 changes the it changes the 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 arc. Immeasurably, because Same for Connor McDavid. I mean, you look at the power plays now because somebody whacks a stick out of somebody's hands and that's slashing. Um, okay, but when they used actual wooden sticks and they didn't break like that, nowadays you just kind of whack at them and they they're broken. That's and, a penalty uh, that needs to go away. If it doesn't break the stick, it's not a slashing. If it's Stick on stick contact that doesn't break the stick. It should not be a penalty. But even still, the composite jobs they use today, and and it's funny because Jack talks about it all the time. But he's right. The composite jobs today are not designed. They're designed for flexibility, hyper flexibility. They're designed for lightness and speed. And that's right. But you need to adjust the rules based on. I agree. The sticks aren't the same. No, I don't. I don't believe that Mitch Marner has the number of points that he does, because I don't believe 
that he's going to have the freedom to skate around that he's afforded nowadays with the rules the way they are. Now, guys who would do probably as well, maybe even a little bit better, I think Evander Kane probably does as well or better. Tom Wilson doesn't get as many penalties and spends a little bit more time on the ice. I don't know. He's still a meathead. He's still a meathead. The sad part is he's an extremely talented meathead. Yes, he is. Um, Ovechkin. Ovechkin probably has four or five 70 goal seasons playing then because dude is a big rugged truck. And if you gave him, if you're putting him on the ice back when Adam Oates was his set would have been his center. <laughs> like that's, that's just like playing. I can't even describe that. Like if he didn't get 75 goals that season, I would consider there's something wrong. Like fair enough. Um, or even like, like I can't, like my brain won't even let me calculate a number less than 50 for the two of them playing a full season together. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, to, so to answer the question, is it doable? Yes. Is it probable? No, no. Um, <clears throat> which isn't, which is, and look, we're not, we're not taking anything away from Austin Matthews. We're not, Taking anything away from uh, pick your next five best goal scorers in the league right now. David Pasternak, Kucherov, um, McDavid, uh, McKinnon, whoever. But no, uh, I just. And, and I don't I honestly don't think any of them would score 70 if you dropped them back in the era that we're talking about. No, I, I think Ovechkin would. Um, I think McDavid is... Yes, Ovechkin, like you said, is a beast. Pasternak, no. Pasternak, it's tough to say. He's he's capable of being more physical, but I don't know how, if he would be durable over... It's, it's really tough to say. Yeah. Um, I don't think McDavid scores 70. I think his assist, like his assist to goals ratio probably goes up because he uses his feet really well, really, really well, both when he's got the puck and when he doesn't. And I'll say the same thing about McKinnon. Um, I think both of them get more assists. Um, They probably end up with the Gretzky treatment, skilled player on one wing and a goon on the other one to keep them alive. Um, (laughs) Wait, who's the goon on Pasternak's wing? No, no, no. I said Gretzky and like the Gretzky. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. For several years, the goon on Pasternak's wing was was uh, Brad Marchand. Can you really call him the goon? I mean, come on. He he was a fun-loving guy. I mean, <laughs> when you're licking Ryan Callahan and he's just having I, a bit yeah, of fun. Come I on, still now. I believe he got away with that, like without what, licking he, licking Ryan Callahan or the fact that he did it like. Three times, <laughs> yes, <laughs> to like different players. I mean, not three times to Ryan Callahan, but he did it like three times over the course of the. <laughs> like, I. 
I don't even know what prompted it. I mean, I would love to ask him, why did you do this? <laughs> it's just you're, like you're that same reason that like animals will lick people to get some of the salt and stuff like that. It was Maybe top of mind at the time. I, I just thought I'd lick him. I don't know. <laughs> he looked like a stamp. <laughs> Since we're already on the topic, um, I figured it was a good segue. Our <laughs> hand is is scheduled for uh, some time in our show, and uh, you know we've watched we've had the privilege of watching Brad Marchand his entire career. We've seen the evolution of the guy who's super scrappy, wildly flaky, and was, couldn't buy a goal in those first twenty games he said he he played in the NHL to save his life. No, he had one assist, I think. <laughs> he had one assist in twenty games. Um, and then swore that he would score 20 goals the next season. And, oh, wait, he did. Not only did he score 20 goals in the regular season, he came really close to that in the postseason. Um, <sighs> Brad Martian. How do you not love him? How do you? Not? <laughs> I no, know that. Yeah, he came back the next year, had 21 goals. Then yeah. in the postseason, he set or tied a record. For most goals by a rookie in a in a playoff campaign with eleven in twenty five. Um, so a couple of questions. Okay. Number one, Brad Marchand's career high in goals is thirty nine. Back in the sixteen seventeen season, he okay. was hosed uh, with a couple of suspensions here and there. He's got twenty four through forty eight which puts him on pace for 41 goals. Right. Does he score 40 this year? Uh, no. I have to go with yes. I literally have to believe it's yes. I think it's mid-30s. Um, I think that with the All-Star break and their bye week combining, that he's getting enough rest I wholeheartedly want him to. Now, I and I think that the way he's played. And trust me, I'm not exaggerating simply because Patrice Bergeron's not there. Um, I think this might actually be his most complete season as a player in his career. Okay. Because of that. I think that he's going to be too valuable down the stretch to rest when it could cost uh, when it could cost them games and position. I mean, right now, yes, they have a little bit of they have a little bit of breathing room in the standings, um, but we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what other teams are going to make trades. Um, do I think that Jim Montgomery is a hundred percent worried about? whether they're first in the East or not going into the playoffs. No, I don't think it's, I don't think it's in his top five concerns heading into the playoffs, but they're only five points up on floor. Okay. Um, and if it comes to the playoffs starting today, would play Detroit. 
in the first. Detroit's place. given Detroit's given them fits this season. I don't know. Yes. So if their choice down the stretch, and they can affect their own destiny and avoid Detroit and maybe get Toronto in the first round, like if they have <laughs> games against Toronto, you oh, know everyone days. in their right mind is going to try and take is going to take Toronto over Detroit, or. If the Islanders make a trade or two and climb into that final spot, they're five points behind Detroit. Seems unlikely, but they also, but it could happen. Pittsburgh is still hold, still lingering. They're six points back, uh, but they're they have three games in hand on Detroit, so that's not undoable. Particularly not if Sydney still elite Crosby. Um, actually has a nice run and you've got Detroit you've got the Devils right there six points back of Detroit two games in hand they've still uh, Hughes is out they've got a good chunk of injuries that should come back and help them in the back stretch of the season and that's before any trades that might or might not happen um, if Going down the stretch as a head coach, I can avoid a team that we've struggled against. You better believe I'm leaving. Uh, I'm leaving him on the ice um, in games that matter. I just, it, it, I just put it in as far as yes, he can he score forty one. Well, I I said forty, but yeah. Four? Can he score forty? Okay, and and I. To me, it, it, it's almost like a, a doable but probable thing. It's definitely doable. I think that he could. I think that he can get there. I just, I, I'm struggling to see it. I, I see him finishing at like 37, 38. I think he's going to come up just short of the 40. I'd love to see it happen. I mean, so what it, you're saying is you hate Brad Marshall. Okay. You just need to stop doing that. <laughs> but yes, I think that he's. I, I want to see him do it. It would be nice to see him get a, a, a career high, especially first year as captain and leading the team. And I mean, he's 20 points off of last season in 21 last games. So. He's right there. It's definitely doable. And he's only got 51, and he's still got, well, he's got 51 penalty minutes, so he's still on pace to get 100 PIMS. <laughs> I I, uh, I don't know. I'd love to see it, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to come up a little short. So you're saying... Yeah, I don't like him. You I know. don't have Next any question. faith in Brad Marchand. I get yeah, it. no faith. There we go. Is that your second question? Nope. Okay. Um, well, you got three questions. That's what you put on the board. January 25th. That would have been like yesterday, the day before? Day uh, before. Three days no, ago. Three days ago. It is the 28th. Try and keep up. I'm trying. Um, Brad Marchand scored his 19th career overtime goal to tie Yaramir Yager for third most in NHL history. The two guys ahead of him are Sidney Crosby with 20, mm-hmm. Alex Ovechkin with 21, uh, with 26, 
why am I not surprised? Those other three guys are all Hall of Fame bound or already there. Is this, combined with the rest of his stats as they stand today, if Brad Marchand is abducted by aliens uh, during the All-Star break, never returns to the league, is this enough to get him into the Hall of Fame? I think the entire work in his, I think the entire work of his career is enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. But I mean, you look at yes, his career numbers and 19, 19, OT, 19 overtime game winners is an impressive feat. Now, granted, overtime is not overtime is not extend through the hundred plus years of NHL history um, the way that. They did actually play to ties at one point, if I'm not mistaken, where they each did. team just got one point. And overtimes used to be ten minutes, not seven. Um, overtimes are only five right now. Or yeah, they're they're five minutes now, but they used to be seven minutes. They used to be ten minutes. Um, so and, there was and, there was more time to get it done in the past. The fact that we've watched these three these three of the four top all uh, overtime goal scorers um, all play the bulk of their careers consecutively is pretty impressive. I I think that I think this is just it's tough to take things in a vacuum. I think that this combined with the other numbers he's going to have at the end of his career, I think the whole bulk of work gets him into the hall. Okay, that's fair. Three hundred and ninety-six. Wait, you didn't? What do you do? You believe? Oh, I I have thought for probably two full seasons that Brad Marchand should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. When I started hearing people outside of Boston talking about the Hall of Fame, I tend to believe it's going to happen. Now, Brad Marchand has this year and next year left on his contract. Okay. Um, presumably he'll still be in Boston, but what <laughs> stuff has happened and maybe, 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 maybe Don Sweeney is feeling like he doesn't want to live anymore. And then, then well, that's exactly what I was going to say. You, Don Sweeney has some kind of death wish then. You think but 396, that's fifth all time in scoring for the Boston Bruins. Rick Middleton is at 4.02. Patrice Bergeron is at 4.27. Phil Esposito, 4.59. Johnny Busick, 5.45. That one, maybe not. I think it's a given that he's going to pass Rick Middleton. Yes. I think it's a near certainty that he will pass Patrice Bergeron. His old teammate, his buddy. Do you think he passes Esposito? At 427? No, uh, Bergeron's at 427. Esposito's at 4, is at 459. 59, 60, 60, you need 63 goals to get there? Yeah, yes. that's two and a half seasons. <laughs> yes. Um, those are good questions, and I love them. 
Brad Marchand is 35. He will be 36 on May 11th of this year. Um, it catch- should be a Boston hol- – it should be a New England holiday uh, along with uh, Nova Scotia. End of his career. Is Brad Marchand in the 500 club? 500 what? 500 goals. At the end of his career? Yeah. No. Again, I think he comes up a little short. Play less than like four and a half, five more seasons. I don't think that he's. I think he. I think he'll play another three. uh, Another three seasons. I think he's going to play another three, four seasons. Yeah, three, four seasons. I just think that if we look at what's going on with. Ovi, and I'd love to believe that it's just the fact that his teammates are terrible and that that's why his goal scoring is down. Um, I think you got to put a little bit of the blame on Ovi, and I think that in that vein, I think the scoring is going to slow down for Brad, too. I don't think he gets to 500. I think he finishes somewhere between 470 and 480. Okay, um, so looking at the numbers, 396 goals, 995 uh, NHL games, which is honestly both of those numbers are mind-boggling because everyone said he'd never make it in the NHL period, which, you know, isn't a surprise for a fourth-round pick, or was he a third? Uh, no, he was a... Uh, third round pick yes um so what his what his uh goal total amounts to uh <clears throat> over across his career thanks to suspensions the no goals in his first 20 21 games in his 21 goals in his first season 18 goals in his in that strike shortened or lockout shortened 12 13 season um 21 goal, or let's see, what was the, the, during the pause, he had 29 goals um, in 53 games. Across his career, he's just under, just under four-tenths of a goal per game. Um, He's 104 goals away from uh, the 500 mark. Um, so mathy, math wise, uh, no, wait a minute. I did something wrong. Uh, he's 104, he's 104 goals away from 500. Yes. If you average, I mean, if you say he scores 20, if you take his average 20 goals per season or what, I don't even know if that's his average, but if you say he's, He's bested 20 goals per season every single year except for the shortened season. He's always been, you know, last year he still got to 21. He's already at 24 this. So if you if you assume that he's going to score 20 goals a season, it's still going to take him five plus season. I mean, you throw in the four extra goals as change. It's still going to take him five seasons 
is he going to be scoring 20 goals a year at 40 years old? He's uh, what? Would you say he was? He's 35 now. He's going to be he's 36. He's going to be 36 in May. Out of those last couple of seasons, is he going to be putting 20, 20 goals in the net? I'd love to see it. I don't know that it happens. He's he's got the he's got the physical the physical tools. I mean, he takes good care of himself. He he's going to play as long as he wants. He's got the physical tools. His skating hasn't noticeably slowed down. Um, honestly, I think that he looks better this season than he did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we remember he had the double hip surgery going into last into last season. Yeah. Uh, um, and he said he felt good, better than he had in a while. I I think his skating is better this year. Um, I still would want to put the number it put give him an eighty percent chance of hitting uh, the five hundred mark. Do I think he's going to pass Johnny Busick? No. Is he gonna uh, Is he gonna pass Espo? Yes. But is he gonna get to five hundred? 80% chance. It's going to depend on who he has. It's going to depend on what the rest of the team looks like three years from now. Because I think I think he can play another season like this without a legit number one center or number two center. He, if he stays healthy, if he's healthy going into the next offseason, comes back, he can probably put up a second additional season like this one. Whether you say it's 35 goals this season or 48 goal or 42 goals this season. Oh, wow. He's going to be getting his silver stick in about two weeks. Yes. Um, I, I, I can't. Not I can't even. Not see him passing Esposito. I, I just if he's healthy. And still interested in the game, like if they go out and somehow win the next two Stanley Cups, he probably retires. Because nothing left to prove and two short summers in a row at 37 and 38. Um, so, all right, they're on, they're starting the All-Star weekend or on All-Star Thursday. Festivities, yeah. Mm. So they are done for this month. So yeah, he one, two, three. So yeah, in 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 about three weeks' time, the thirteenth of February, it's going to be so. I mean, they. I don't know if they'll give it to him that night. I mean. I don't even know if it's a home game. I can't imagine they give it to him on the road. That would be robbery. Uh, no, 13th is a home game. Oh, and it's against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But that will be, based on the schedule, there's no more games. They, they played their last game until after the All-Star break. First game is the 6th, 8th, 10th, and then the 13th. It's a nice little stretch of home games they got going on, by the way. 
but the 13th is a home game against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I believe it's a seven-game homestand, which is practically unheard of in the current NHL. show. It is indeed. Then they hit the road for four, and then they come back the end of February the t- uh, 29th, leap year, uh, and they play Vegas. But yeah, and and against and to do it against to give him to give him his, it makes more sense to do it that night because the next two games are against the next three games are all against Western Conference teams. The only the only catch in there is. You know, it has to like it has to be a sure thing. He's healthy now. He's going into the break healthy. Um, I think Brad is smart enough at this point not to go shoving his hand into the um, snowblower if it gets jammed, assuming he a needs it and b doesn't have someone else do his driveway. I was going to say I'm pretty sure that somebody's doing his driveway for him. Um, but there's a lot. I mean, there's. There's still potential. It's probably I would bet more on it happening the next home game against a rival or at least an Eastern Conference team. But um, well, then you're looking at waiting until March, uh, March seventh against Toronto. That, that would also be a good t- place to do it. A good time to do it. It's just a long ways away from his actual thousandth and not that they gave, did they give Bergeron his no, stick? It was, it was well over a week later. Um, yeah, this is like two and a half weeks later though. <laughs> um, so we're at the all-star or we're at the all-star break, the quasi half of halfway mark of the season. Yeah. Well, when you've played 49 games, you've already been halfway through the season, but fair enough. Um, the unofficial halfway point. Um, yes. We have the we have the All Star festivities. We have the trade deadline. Then we have the stretch run, and finally, 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 the playoffs come back to Boston. Um, looking back uh, through your uh, time, looking back in time to September. Yes. If I told you that Danton Heinen and Morgan Geeky, and bearing in mind that Danton Heinen wasn't even signed in September. No. In fact, I don't. I think he wasn't signed until maybe closer to the middle of October or even early November. Well, he didn't get an, he didn't get a full term. He didn't get a full term contract until the end of October, October thirtieth. Yeah. He did so, start the season with the Bruins on the PTO. Yeah, well, but he didn't play in he didn't play in any games until no. regular season games. Yeah. Um. So if I told you that Denton Heinen and James Van Riemsdyk would have the same number of goals, uh, would you be terrified, excited, or somewhat confused? Um. Denton Heinen and James Van Riemsdyk. Yes, and also Morgan Geeky. So they all have what eight? They all have eight goals. Okay. Um, I it, it's a little you unnerving. Me, it's a little unnerving because I, I expect confused. I I yeah confused is a good word because I expect a little bit more from Morgan Geeky. Um, I'm not sure what to expect from JVR and Danton Heinen is 
showing me not only that he belongs, but that it's not a fluke. I don't know why you expect more from Morgan Geeky, but okay, we'll run with that. Um, Because his career high is nine goals in 69 games last season for in Seattle's best career, best season ever. Oh, okay. But we'll run with that. Um, Danton Heinen. Dan Heinen is, I guess, like I said, I not a fluke. But he's on the team and theoretically uh, contributing. He reminds me so much of PJ. And I, sa- I literally have said that since the first time I looked at his draft. Uh, I know, I know, but I just, I just felt it needed to be said again. He really does remind. He does, even, even the the even the way he looks, the blonde hair, the. It, it, it just, I don't know. It, it's like PJ again. <laughs> if he wore 57, that would just completely blow my mind. I know PJ eventually changed to number 11 because 57 looked weird on his tiny little back. But because PJ Axelson was not a big man. But when he switched to 11, it made a little more sense. Um, I think yeah. the next skinniest dude to play long term for the Boston Bruins is probably David Krejci. Um, yeah. I mean, there's your favorite player of all time, um, oh, Zach Hamill, um, who was Dorothy. Skinnier than the two of them, but <laughs> stop comparing Dorothy to anybody. <laughs> exactly, play long term. Nope. <laughs> um. Looking across the league as a whole, mm-hmm. what's your what are your biggest surprises on the year? Uh, well, my first my first surprise is just in in the standings themselves. It just I am not understanding of what's going on in Ottawa. How is it that they are the worst team in the Atlantic again? We keep talking about this team and how they're primed to at least make a run at a playoff spot. And yet, no. What is wrong with that organization? What am I missing? I I genuinely wonder how much the roster was upset by their general manager and then their coach, their coach being moved out with the new, with the new ownership. I will also say that they don't look cohesive on a nightly unit on a nightly basis. I've seen three or four of their games in the last month or so. They don't have the synergy that we were seeing from them last season. Um, interesting. Okay. It's, but it's you're not, not, you're not, there's not, it, it, it's like an intangible though. You, you, you're not. Yes, it's definitely an intangible. I mean, some, there's, there's always places you can point to, but they're just not, I mean, they're the worst team in the Eastern conference right now. 45 games played, 38 points. They, they're, a, they're a lottery team. 
like two of the three, two of the three California teams are worse than worse than them, and then Chicago, which surprises no one. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be one of my surprises. Damn, that was gonna <laughs> But <laughs> I'm kidding. But I, I just did. I don't know if this was one of yours, but it's just baffling to me. I don't understand it. I don't get it. This is a team that we talk about every season and how they're 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 on the precipice that, you know, is it just goaltending that is their biggest downfall? It just, for, for me, they were not one of mine, but a different the other Atlantic team that we talk about or have talked about a lot. Ah, the one in sixth, I'm assuming. The Sabres. Yep. This team was terrifying in good long stretches last season. Not good, not intimidating, terrifying. Have they had injuries? Yes. Tage Thompson missed a big chunk of games. Um, Alex Tuck has missed seven games. Jeff Skinner has missed eight games. Um, Kyle Ogposo, I don't think he's having as good a year as he did last year. Um, their goaltending, as we mentioned earlier, it, it's not doing what it was doing last year. Um, we're 48 games, 49 games in. Mm-hmm. Not only are they have they lost games to goaltenders because um, I don't claim to be the world's best mathematician, but 26 plus seven, which is the total games played for Luka Pekka-Lukanen and Eric Comrie means that other guys have played in net for them. Devin Levi. Yep. Um, these two guys are having significantly below league average uh, numbers this year. And, this was supposed to be the year they took that step. This is supposed to be the year that their defense gelled, that Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin and the rest of the crew, including Connor Clifton, um, said, this is our ice, approach our net at peril. That's if why you get it. That puck for every second you possess it, it's heading back to your zone. Okay. And no, no. Like Connor Clifton is, he's got a plus six. He was a minus eleven earlier in the season. So he's um, turned it around. Okay. But he's playing less ice time than he did last year. Uh, he was in Boston last year, but he's playing a minute and a half less ice time. He played so well with Derek Forboy. Oh, sometimes you have to look past just actual raw numbers and you have to look at chemistry and, and communication and just does the some of the part. De- De- OK, Derek and, and Connor played so well together last year. Yep. Does the sum of that equate to more than just saying, well, Connor Clifton only had X number of points and he only did X number of this? And, and I think that sometimes when GMs look at evaluate this talent and evaluate, they, they're looking st- 
strictly at stats and they're not looking at again the intangibles. They're playing money ball, more yeah. money puck, whatever you want to call it. But um, which which is real. I mean, Jack Quinn, um, he seems to be having uh, a down. He's definitely having a down year. He had 14 goals in 75 games last year. He's only got he's only played 17 games this year. Okay. Um, only gotten into five, and your leading goal scorer for the Buffalo Sabres this year is John Paterka. JJ Paterka. Um, that's your leading goal scorer. Eighteen wow. goals at the All Star break. Has Tage been out that long, or is he just not scoring? Tage missed uh, ten or ten or eleven games. Okay. He's got twenty eight points in thirty eight games, which is below the pace he had last year. I mean, last year he had 94 points. I mean, last year, last year he set a pretty high bar. So, (laughs) but even the year before he had, uh, 38, 30 and 68 in 78 games. So it's not like it came out of nowhere. Um, people are going to say he's regressing. There's more going on than just Tage Thompson. Um, which isn't there's I, I think you may be on to it with uh, questioning the team's chemistry. Um, I think I hate, a, it, the, I hate it as a solution, but at when we get to the end of the year, something that Kevin Adams is going to have to ask himself and his organization, for our team. Because Don Granado... Well, I can't blame the Pagulas on this one. They've actually kept Don Granado for like more than three seasons, so... (laughs) Don Granado was an assistant coach there for... He was an assistant coach from June uh, of 19 to March of 2021 three months and change as interim head coach. Um, and then two years, two and a half years uh, or two years and seven months now at this point for as the head coach, is he one of those guys who has a glass ceiling mentally because he doesn't have any other head coaching experience? Um, do they need a, if not a more veteran guy, well, not if not someone with more NHL coaching experience, at least someone with deeper head coaching experience, regardless of the level. Because, hmm. um, I mean, Don Granato never played in the NHL. I mean, the closest he got was the ECHL. Um, and even there, he only played two pro seasons, 103 games. Um, he was head coach back in the 90s in the, in the USHL. Um, he won a championship in the ECHL as a head coach. Um, then went to the AHL. Um, lost in the qualifying rounds or lost in round two, lost in the qualifying round, lost in round one, lost in round two out of the playoffs um, with the Worcester Ice Cats. 
um, two seasons as, or a season and six games as Chicago Wolves um, head coach uh, for the 08 through uh, 2010 season. Never made the playoffs uh, coaching the U-17, U-18 team uh, for the U.S. National. Okay. Uh, so you're going to have to replace I'm the coach. saying that the ECHL translates well to higher levels. And that was in 99-2000 for the Peoria Rivermen. That was not just a very different level of hockey. It was a different era of hockey than what we see today. I looking at that roster for the Peoria Rivermen of the 99-2000 season, I don't recognize a single name. A single name. So you want them to replace the coach you don't like, Don Granato. Got it. Okay. I think the question absolutely has to be asked. And based on his career history as a head coach, like he's never, except for the one year where he won in the ECHL before mm-hmm. half of his current roster was alive. Okay. Never won more than a single playoff round. Okay, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I'm did Buffalo. They, they need to do. They need to do something. They've got they talent. On. They need to do a, a thing. We don't know what that thing is, but the question of is it the goaltender or is it the head coach? It's going to get asked. The Bagulas are going to ask it. The media is probably already asking it. If you look at the Buffalo media um no i agree i do have another surprise and we talk about it all the time um and it's the lack of goal scoring punch from ovi i it, it is a surprise it's this is a guy that we should be expecting taller things from and this year it's just not happening I understand that Backstrom has been out hurt and and that certainly has an effect considering that's been his center for better part of a decade may even be more than that at this point It's, it's, it's a good chunk of his career he's up to nine goals in 44 games yeah which has got to be a career low for it's him not even the last time he had nine goals in about the same number of games was in the 0203 season for the Moscow Dynamo when he would have been like 17 years old <sighs> no he was 16 years old when that season started okay um, damn. <laughs> yeah, no. It, so, yes, that is a surprise. I, I mean, again, we talk, you know, it, 
does father time always win is he is he slowing down is he all of those things could be playing a part in it as well but it, it, i certainly expected that, that there would be more than nine goals to this point in the season would he be up there with the pastas and the mcdavid scoring 30 plus no but i figured he'd at least be in the teens 15 17 i I assume close to 20 mark right by now close to 20 yeah sure i can see that but nine no i mean this is he scored 42 goals last year in 73 games 50 goals in 70 games 77 games the season before the last time he has a goal scoring total in the 20s is the is the bubble year where he still had 24 goals in 45 games? Um, my second surprise: Winnipeg, 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 Winnipeg. Really? I <clears throat> look. Anyone can have a good stretch when the stretch extends effectively to 45 season, 45 plus games. Um, you're you're legitimate playoff contender is that do I am I picking the Winnipeg Jets to win the Stanley Cup today no am I saying that I have as much doubt about them as certain Eastern Conference teams that we could talk about no I'm not because thing you, is this third in the Pacific no wait third in the third in the central third in the central but they have a better points percentage than the two teams ahead of them because oh yeah they've only played 47 games okay um they're a plus 39 they've only allowed 109 goals total through their 47 games okay or to be more accurate (laughs) um connor hellebuck is only a (laughs) and that's the one constant on that team. I mean, every year this guy's name comes up for Vesna. And again, this year, 2.2 goals against and a 924 save percentage. It's very helpful that Lauren Brassois is holding his own and he's got a 207 926. That, 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 like I said last week, that puts them up in consideration along with the Boston tandem as best tandems in the NHL. I mean, the numbers that Connor and Laurent are putting up is, is, is stellar. But Connor Hellebuck, 35 games started. So he's looking at, what, another 60-start season? Yeah. <laughs> we found Cam Ward, and he is... In goal in Winnipeg, <laughs> and putting up better numbers. <laughs> Every year, this guy's name comes up for a Vesna. Has he won? I don't even know if he's won one. I thought he did not last year. The year before, I was going to say not last year. Last year was um, a local guy. Yeah, well, if they didn't give it to him, if they didn't give it to him. Connor Hellebuck has he did win one, yes. 2019-20 season. Okay, so it was the season before. Um my other surprise, 
and I'm not saying, oh yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to hit 40 again this year. Mm-hmm. Tyler Sagan. We haven't talked about him. This may be the first mention of him all year. It sounds like it. I think we brought him up once before, but. 49 games so far. He hit 950 games. So. Wow. If he's healthy, he'll hit. He should hit 1,000 games sometime early next year. Damn. He he was a rookie that year, that cup year for the for Boston. That's true. Um. But, yeah, it, it's been a long time since we've talked about him and even longer since we've talked about it positively. Um, yeah, usually it's about played. usually about his matching tattoos, but forty seven game forty nine games played, seventeen goals, twenty two assists, thirty nine points in forty nine games um at the all star break. He's a plus six. Last season, he only had 21, 29, and 50 numbers across 76 games. Um, Last year was very much a down – it seemed like very much a down year for him. A couple of years. I mean, he has not cracked 60 goals or 60 points since the 18-19 season when he had 80. Well, it was ugly two seasons ago when he was a minus 21. Um, Tyler Sagan is looking at, like, he's looking at his best goal-scoring numbers since that 18-19 season, his best, his, and his best production overall, because he's he's 11 points away from matching 50, the 50 points he's had as a best since then, twice. Um, I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure he could make that recovery. I mean, remember he missed most of the 2021 season. He only played three games. He had two goals in those two games, um, in those three games, but he hasn't, like, this is a remarkable thing. Um, you can make an argument for including him in Masterton discussion um, if he crawls back into the 25-30 goal club. And 30 goals really isn't that unrealistic. On pace, on pace for 34? Yeah. Okay. Um, I realistically say he makes somewhere between 28 and 32. 27 and 32. You are, so I'm going to go with 81, 80, uh, 31 points, uh, 31 goals this season for Tyler Sagan. Write it down. At the end of the season, I will be proven right. 31. Got it. And those are my surprises. Well, my last surprise, very quickly. Uh, Alex Lyon is for real. Alex Lyon and, and and to a lesser extent, Anthony Stolarz, who I think it's hilarious that Florida replaced one former Philadelphia backup with another former Philadelphia backup. And because they <laughs> they had Alex Lyon last year, as we remember in Boston, Alex yeah. Lyon made us look a little stupid in the first couple of games before Bo, before Bobrovsky came around. Um, 
Or did we make him look? No, he he held his own. He looked really good. But not only is it, then he goes and signs free agent contract with Detroit. So Florida goes, hey, we need to bring in another one of those those Philly goals. They bring in Stolarz from Anaheim. And just because Mr. Carter Hart was supposed to be um, <clears throat> the man, the savior down in Philly. But when you stop and look at career stats and yes Carter Hart's played more than the other two guys but Alex Lyon career numbers 285 911 save percentage not fabulous when you think about it but this year is the first year he's been he's actually hit the 20 goal mark in a season 20 game mark in a season and this season is his best goals against a 249 best save percentage at 924 you look at Anthony Stolarz <clears throat> career 279-912 save percentage, a hair better than Alex Lyon, but uh, he's been a starter more recently with the Ducks. He had the 28-game season where he actually had a 917 save percentage, little drop-off last year, back to a 916 this season. Carter Hart, who was supposed to be the savior, and I don't mean to pick on him. I know that he just left for personal reasons. And I hope that whatever it is he's trying to do, that he succeeds. But career numbers, 294 goals against and a 906 save percentage. Not what you'd expect from a savior. Uh, no. And the, two, and the two guys that left have better numbers. And Alex Lyon, who's now a number one, uh, or at least matching time with Billy Huso in in getting more work is actually putting up better results. So maybe he should have gotten more work earlier because he's been around since the 17-18 season. And it's nice to see a resurgence like that. It's nice to see that, you know, it, I almost want to say it's Tim Thomas ask he he's not putting up the numbers Thomas did he's not having the results Thomas did but in that vein where Tim Thomas wasn't even thought about and then when he started to get the work it was oh my god this guy's really good <laughs> yeah but they still kept trying to prove that they could find a better goaltender than Tim Thomas and they brought in three different goaltenders who couldn't keep him out of the crease <laughs> Manny I Fernandez. I remember Manny. That guy who followed him in the crease and never won a cup. Uh-huh. Um, we know about was, him, too. Yeah, Yeah, there was at least one other guy they brought in. I'm like, why? Why? Why are you wasting, why are you wasting assets? <laughs> you have the guy. He's right there. We're in number 30. Let it go. <laughs> But no, I, I really think that if Alex Lyon had been given more work opportunity, more oppor- uh, whether it was with the Flyers, Kane. Kane's played him in all of two games. He was there the whole season. They played him two games. Well, the, the Kane's also just picked up Spencer Martin off of waivers from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, I'm not going to understand that one either because. Uh, uh, and then he comes in and makes Boston look bad. He was making Boston look bad when he was with Columbus. Yes. Um, I think Columbus is long overdue for a 
change in leadership? Um, well, that Yamo Kikalainen guy, how does he still have a job again? I, I don't know. I literally do not know. That's uh, just another question for another time. <laughs> um, I... Well, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna segue to the <clears throat> if you're segueing to another story, <laughs> but even that story, if you're talking about, are you talking about the defenseman or the forward, Mister? Well, Mister Provorov. I mean, he. D- d- uh, oh, I, that's true. I didn't even think of that. The but, other. Okay. The, we'll, the we'll other one. We'll talk about Provorov. Um, I think the. I think the I think that the forward is probably a good sign. Um, the defenseman was a bad sign. Um, I think that Ivan Provorov, being having already worn out his welcome in in Columbus, according to what I'm reading, and yet hasn't been there a full season yet. Hasn't been there a full season. This. I'm sorry, but, you know, didn't – wait a minute. Quick question. Where was mm-hmm. Mike Babcock working briefly over the summer? Uh, very briefly, he was hired by – I believe it was the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, that's – um. Before it was discovered that he was asking people for pictures on their phones and being or, really creepy. No, give me your phone. Just just give me your phone. Like, there's literally not a job where that's acceptable anywhere in the U.S. and probably not in Canada. But just creepy. even going back to what was known about him before he got to Columbus – like the Babcock thing, and added to the Provorov in one off season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do really have to wonder how Kikalainen still has a contract. I've been asking this for like at least two years now. Um, <laughs> I I don't like I literally do not understand. He's definitely whistling past the graveyard because somehow he's skating by and nobody's noticing. Dude's got to be breakdancing (laughs) as he's going past the graveyard. And he's done really good. He's done good things for the team. He's been there as GM for a pretty long time. Um, I'm not saying he hasn't done things. I just last few years. How is he still employed? His last like four or five years, I don't. I just don't understand. I, I, I mm, color me wildly boggled. I mean, it, it, but where is he going to go? So they're talking about trading. So Pro Rob is, is trademark is possibly on the trade market. I mean, I'm assuming the Blue Jackets are going to be sellers at the deadline. If they're sellers at the deadline and Provorov, assuming they can find someone to take him, is the first thing in the earth-shattering kaboom, it's overdue. Um, I I get it that John Tortorella probably would not be interested in him going back to Philadelphia. No, they're like 
this is one of those cases where Tortorella would be justified in publicly telling off a general manager who brought <laughs> the guy. Oh, that would back. be entertaining. Um, given how much he uh, Torts has talked about how positive the locker room is in or in uh, in the for the Flyers right now. But if there is that earth shattering kaboom, I mean. Boone Jenner, despite the fact that he has a contract that is beyond league friendly or team friendly and is practically insulting to the player, um, they have assets. I mean, Adam Fantilli is, by any stretch of an imagination, he's got to be untouchable. He's got to be untouchable. And you can probably put Kent Johnson uh, in that category as well, and Cole Sillinger. Um, yeah, I think that but, you're looking at the base right there of, of who you're building around. But can you imagine the return they can get for a healthy Zach Wierenski? Oh, wow. Um, How do you uh, – Kika Linen would that – would, that would take some serious selling to sell that to the fan base in Columbus. We traded away – uh, we let Seth Jones go, and yeah, now we're going to let Wierenski go too. Um – no. <laughs> yes, the re- the return you could get for a healthy Zach Wierenski would be phenomenal. <laughs> I'd stand in line. I I, I got draft picks. <laughs> Even Sean Corrali, who's having a pretty strong <coughs> season there, um, any team that needs a 3C <clears throat> can do a whole lot worse than him uh, – a three or a four C for that matter. Mm, um, I think it's plenty of those. I think at three and a quarter, well, at two and a half for a cap hit, um, he's not wild for a for a fourth liner. But, but if he's your fourth center, you're doing okay. But before we wrap this up, where would Provorov go though? I mean, this is about this is about Provorov. Provorov and- has to go to some place that. I mean, he's not going to. He's not going to any contenders. So Um, L.A. wouldn't be in on him. About the only place he might be able to go is... is, um, Really? No contenders? Carolina. Um, And I don't know if they can get him back because didn't they buy him out? And you have to wait a full year or something like that after a buyout. Provorov never played for Carolina. He played for Philly. I'm thinking of the wrong – no. Okay, so I'm thinking of the wrong player. Um, maybe Philly. I mean, maybe Carolina. Um, maybe Carolina. <laughs> Carolina needs more defense? Okay. If, look, if they're looking for – if they're looking to have that seventh D going into the playoffs, um, I think four and three quarters is a little bit much to play – to pay for a fourth D – a seventh D – yeah. Um, but we've seen dumber things done. <laughs> we've seen dumber. Where is Carolina on the list of – well, Carolina does apparently have a little <clears throat> money to spend. Uh, not quite four and three-quarters million, but they're closer than a lot of teams. Red Wings have Red Wings have enough cap space for him. See Nashville. It's not going to be someplace like Nashville, though. Nashville's got a lot of cap space. 
don't know how that happened. Nash- they got injuries. But Na- isn't Nashville supposed to be a team rebuilding? <laughs> like, yeah. We were told they were rebuilding when uh, t- when Trotz took over as GM. This is Trotz's first year as GM. And as as we stand at the All-Star break, they're a playoff spot. Yes, they are. It's going to be, I mean, for them, it's going to be hard to sell anything. <laughs> um, they might have to make a push just so they can win two, two games in the first round and get dropped. Hopefully win home games, but yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy Lozon's still there. Hey. Um, but, you know, assuming anyone ever sees him healthy again, they have Patrick Line and Adam Boquist, um, who are adi- who are potential assets. Um, okay. I'm just trying to figure out where else Provorov could go. So, like uh, Line was Line was uh, it. it it was a six. It was six weeks back on December sixteenth. Um, projection. That was his projection from a fractured clavicle. Ouch. Um, Not. Theoretically, we could see him back. Um, we could see him back in the first game or two after the All Star break. Um, because you know, I wouldn't bring him back for. Well, if you want to sell him, you got to show everybody that he's healthy and that he can still score goals. Although it looks like he had, he just had a setback um, oh, set a couple back. of days ago. Ouch, not good. But I mean, you still have a full month before the trade deadline. If he comes back and plays four good games before deadline day, that's enough to get him moved, and right. he's going to get you a return unless you're. Unless you're uh, smoking funny things um, during your trade talks, you're going to get a return for Patrick Line if you decide or your your ownership decides uh, that it's time for the earth-shattering kaboom. Okay. And when you're in fourth place, uh, fourth from the bottom in the league, yeah, you probably need it because – even if they had line A the last six or seven weeks, they're still not in a playoff spot. Okay. Uh, I mean, in fairness to the Columbus Blue Jackets, I think the East is slightly okayer than we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Yes, it's slightly okayer, and that's... Um, technical term, yes. That's definitely a technical term. Um Look at the Eastern Conference. Only the bottom four teams, Buffalo, Montreal, Columbus, and the Ottawa Senators, Mm -hmm. have non-winning records. And the Sabres in Montreal are right there at 490, um, a 490 points percentage. Buffalo's at a 417, and the Senators, with games in hand, not that it's going to matter much, have a 422. Versus the bottom of the Western Conference, which starts with Chicago's 300, San Jose's 306, 
Anaheim's 367 uh, before you get anything close to a 500 with the Minnesota Wild at 480. Um, The league's balance is wildly interesting this year, and uh, it's going to make for some really fascinating playoff series in eight or nine months when we finally, finally, finally are rewarded with them. I would, I, I would agree. I just don't, and yeah. I, and we can talk about that former Columbus forward uh, in next week. Um, we did a will he or won't he. Um, ha, um, wow. Bergeron on the brain. Um, will Bergeron Brad brain. Marchand... Um, Will Brad Marchand finish in the top five in Selkie votes this season? Um, Two-thirds of voters said yes. Really? Um, and then um, for this this week's um, – this week's – Will Ivan Provorov be traded before the deadline? <laughs> I mean, if you, if you want to – if you want to tie it into the show, uh, Provorov is probably a good. I mean, or we could go with Will Austin Matthews hit seventy goals this year. Yeah, that one. I'm sure that it's so been it asked. I'm sure that it's been asked a lot, but I also think that. Uh, I think it's worth asking our listeners. I think it is. And even before we finish the show, I am going to tweet that out. Um, we will be back next week. Um, so do you think, wait, wait, do you think Brad will finish fifth or higher in the Selkie vote? I think it's a wild vacuum with Bergeron gone. And I think he has played well enough that if a non-center is going to finish in the top five. They did. Well, Mark Stone did it, but, you know. Um, that he certainly has the opportunity um, he's certainly getting the attention because they're in first place again. Yep. And he got the captain C this year. But fifth or higher? See, I'll go with fifth or higher. I I want I is desperately he, want to say yes, but I'm going to actually say no. Is he going to win it? I don't think so. But is he going to? Can will he come in fifth or higher? I think that's definitely. A possibility. Yeah, I think he will. I'm going to go with yes. And no more sitting on the fence. Um, I thought it was funny because Adam Faust, the commentator for the Bruins, made a comment about Sean Couturier had won a Selkie Award and then said, yes, somebody else actually did win a Selkie Award during the time of, of Patrice Bergeron's career. <laughs> yeah, it's um, – I suspect – that might well we'll talk about that in the future fair enough um, it's okay you could we can cap it there we've we've hit quite a number of stories that everybody's going to enjoy hey so, uh, ladies and gentlemen hockey fans of all ages flavors and even uh, even our good friends the Habs fans um, thank you for listening. 
share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, random people you run into on the street. Create a QR code uh, with the words "How's my driving?" Uh, on it. Uh, put it on a bumper sticker on the back of your car. Use that same QR code as your profile picture all across the internet. And tune back in next week. Take care and uh, enjoy the All Star festivities, the PWHL, the Bean Pot, and all the rest of the hockey.